This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Brandon Bruce. If his name rings a bell, it's because he's been on before. He is one of the founders of a, a tool called Cirrus Insights. And at six foot eight, he's probably one of the tallest, perhaps the tallest founder to be interviewed on the top. Brandon, I believe that's true. But he's an endurance athlete and world traveler and has built Cirrus Insight into a top ranked productivity platform for Gmail and Outlook with 150 thousand users and over $1 million in monthly recurring revenue. Brandon, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it, Nathan. Great to be back with you. You bet. Yeah. So last time you were on, my gosh, I want to say that was 12 to 18 months ago. And you were doing at that point, you told me about 640 in monthly recurring revenue. So that's up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So we're up over a million now, which is a great milestone uh, for the company and got to be on the ink list uh, last And it's been an exciting, I think, enablement space, and we're hoping to, you know, be a driver in that space. So uh, during Dreamforce, Salesforce's big conference this year, uh, we acquired a small company in Sweden called Attach that we're really excited about because we had started using it internally and really liked it. Uh, So it basically enables you to do document management and attachment tracking. But the coolest kind of whiz-bang feature of the whole thing is I can send you a slide deck, right, via link, and then I can watch you view the slide deck in real time. And uh, that's just plain cool. It's neat to be able to see, are your prospects viewing the slide deck at all? And if they are, what pages are they looking at? When do they abandon? Do they even make it to the pricing slide or some other important slide that you have in there? So we were kind of captivated by it, and we were you know, thrilled to welcome them aboard and, and join them to our team. We'll chat more about Attach here in a second, but give us some more updates on the business. So last time we spoke, you were, I think you told me each customer is paying about six bucks a month. Is that still the case or have you driven up the ARPU a bit? Yeah, it's got, it's, it's up a bit from there. So be higher above eight now as we introduce more plans, more bundles. So we've been trying to build out more of an all in one sales stack, right? So instead of having to go out and assemble multiple pieces and try to connect them all together and integrate them, which we struggle with as a company. It's like a full-time job for somebody just to make sure all your tools work together. We're trying to build those tools into a core solution so that once you have a CRM in place, whether that's Salesforce or something else, then we can be that one additional tool that powers the actual selling activity. So everything from prospecting at the top of the funnel. So we built some integrations with inside view and full contact and others all the way down to the signing of the contract at the very end, which we now use attach for with the hello sign integration. And then we cover the meeting scheduling and the email tracking and so on and so forth, the drip campaigns through the middle of the, of the cycle. So we've been focused on that and focused on kind of driving up that ARPU as a result of having a more complete stack. And how many customers now? Uh, so on the Cirrus Insight platform, it's about 150,000, like you mentioned. And then we've picked up 
certainly additional users from several years ago, we acquired uh, Assistant.2, which is the, the calendaring, the scheduling service, and then most recently Attach. So when you take those two in addition, that puts us up to about a quarter million total users. Yep. Now, when you say 150,000, are those paying customers or those are users? Yeah. On the Cirrus Insight side, those are paid users. Got it. So about 5,000 companies with about 150,000 total users under those companies. And then for the other applications, Assistant 2 is a free application for Gmail. And Attach also has a free version. Uh, So most of their user bases respectively are free. And are you, okay, so so that's helpful to understand. And real quick, before I ask you more questions about how you found Attach and how you did that deal, um, have you raised any additional capital or, or you're still at half a million? Uh, yeah, so it, originally we had raised half a million from angel investors and then since that time, but again, this goes back probably three, four years, we had raised an additional uh, 500 to 750. So our total raise all in has been a little over a million since the time we started six years ago but we haven't taken on any additional capital, I'd say in the last three years. So founding year was, you said back in uh, 2011? Yeah, end of 2011. So we're officially six years in as How's of it feel? Uh, four days from now. It's crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, I think uh, in many respects, we sort of surprised ourselves because software moves so fast. I think there's almost an anticipation for many of us that get into software that like, hey, we'll hit it hard. And then two, three years from now, it will either have not worked or it will have worked really well. And we will have done something. There'll be some sort of uh, merger or acquisition or some sort of liquidity event. And so now we're six years in and we're sort of like, okay, let's keep, uh, let's keep plugging away and see what the future holds. Yep. So, so break, break down this attach kind of thing for me. So first thing I want to ask, there's a lot of people listening right now that have companies that are sub, you know, a hundred K and monthly recurring revenue who are looking to sell to companies like you. How does a CEO like you determine what companies to go out and acquire? And how did you land on attach? You know, for us, I think the keys are it's got to be complementary to the existing stack that we've built already. So a tool that replicates identically some of what we've already built is probably not going to be attractive. But if it fills a gap, if it's a missing piece. And so we had spec'd out and even started building uh, how are we going to do attachment tracking and how are we going to do the e-signature at the end when someone sends out a contract and we want all that to be logged into Salesforce and tracked. Um, but we knew that it was going to take us pretty long time to build it, uh, cause it's a complex project. And so when I looked on the market, there were certainly large companies doing this, which we can't acquire them. Uh, we'd more be a target for them. Um, and so we were looking for companies of that fits into that metric, right? Where they reached a certain size, they've got which a really what? nice built out product somewhere in the range that you're talking about. You know, I would say companies that are in, you know, pre-market. So maybe they're at zero all the way up to, you know, 100K, maybe even a bit more than that, but that are looking at their options. I think, you know, if it's a company that's just super, super fast growing and maybe they're on the verge of raising money or kind of charting their own path, then that's probably what they're going to do. And I've talked with several of them in in, in various industries. Um, But if they're looking at the market saying, hey, we'll be better together. Uh, We like what Sears Insight has built. We see where, where we can all fit together valuations are going to go up for both of us. If we combine forces, that's a perfect situation for so us. So when you have the tough conversation with the attached founders, how, I mean, how do you value the company? Do, I mean, I, I, usually these things, they start with a rational conversation about some multiple on either top line or bottom line. And then there's the emotional side, which is the art and the harder part. Yeah, right. I mean, there's lots of different factors that, that go into it that you can either say, oh, hey, yeah, it's not based on that at all. 
But to your point, it's always based on that uh, or some of it, right? So there's the, hey, here's what our MRR is, but there's also, here's what our cash burn is and how long we can stay in business. And there's also how much have we raised in total? Are our investors going to get a return? Are they going to get their money back? Uh, are they going to take a loss? So had attached out? raised capital? Yeah, attached had raised. How much? In the past, and so that was a consideration. Um, that's a great question. I don't have the number off the top of my head. Like they more raised, than a million? Uh, no. No, and I think... Yeah, and for viewers that are online right now, they might be able to check. You might have it in your database or they might have it in some of the online... But we're not talking like we're not talking about these companies that has raised like 10 million where the investors want like 100 million or bus kind of deals. No, yeah. And I think honestly, for a company like us, that's that's lightly funded in a lot of ways, bootstrap that's going to do as we did this acquisition just out of cash, um, then that would be a very, very difficult, if not impossible acquisition to do. Because if if venture capital or PE is involved, then they're going to want to protect their interests and get paid. And there's almost always going to be a pretty big, uh, lawyer and CP, CPA bill attached to it. Whereas if it's a small company, then you can go in and it still took a lot of work, still took a lot of due diligence, a lot of lawyer time, et cetera, to do the deal, but it was possible. And that's, what's important. So can, will you share what you paid for attach? We can't by the terms of the deal, but you know, uh, listeners kind of can get the idea of, you know, what, what can a company like us do where we're not applying uh, private equity to a deal? We didn't go out and source uh, venture debt to do it. We just did it because it looked like a very complementary technology with a great team behind it that we wanted to also join with us. And so we were able to put a package together that made, that made sense for them and, and made sense for their investors. Were they pre-revenue? No, they have, they had, uh, they have current customers that are paying in. So they're making money. Okay. Like, like more than a hundred grand a, mo- a year or a month or under. Uh, no, it would be under. Okay. Got it. So it's our job now to take it to market and really ramp it. Cause the product is really, really solid. So when you value a company like this, one of the things I believe you do is you put a little pro forma together and you say, okay, our cross, our ability to cross sell this into our current customer race and go from six dollar ARPUs to eight is we're going to see a 10% cross sell rate. Usually you overestimate where you yeah, more that's conservative. Like it's really fuzzy, yeah. <laughs> right? Where it's like, yeah, as soon as someone mentions the word synergy, yeah. you start to get nervous. So is it hitting your plan so far or it doesn't always play it? Well, one, we're very early. So we've just we've just started demoing to our customers because we acquired When was the acquisition? Second or third week of November. Oh so wow. We're, yeah, we're about two, three weeks in. So we're we're doing initial integration, right, with our common platform. Um, but we have started doing dozens and dozens and dozens of demos to our customers. And we started getting people picking up a bunch of seats. So it's exciting, but it's very early in that ramp. So in in many ways, too early to say if we're really quote unquote hitting plan, but I think we'll have a pretty good sense of it, you know, toward the end of the first quarter of next year, if we're doing the deals that we thought we could do. And what's the team up to at this point? Like, are you keeping their teams when you're buying these companies or no? Yes. So we, we brought on, uh, their team, several developers and their CEO have all joined, uh, Cirrus Insight. So what's your total team size today? Uh, total team size today is 58. 58 folks. Primarily split between Knoxville, Tennessee, where I am and Irvine, California, where Ryan is. Yep. Interesting. So 58 folks total Knoxville, Irvine. That's great. And now have, have your other metrics changed drastically since we last spoke? So like what's churn look like right now annually? 
Yeah, churn is held relatively stable from last time. I will say, though, that we, and I think it's fair to say some of the others in our common market, have certainly seen some pressure uh, from, from Salesforce. Yeah. So I think you know they've tightened up uh, their marketplace, the Salesforce App Exchange, which had been in the past a, a primary vector uh, for us to reach out to leads and so forth. And they've, they've tightened that up for partners, I think it's fair to say. Like it's more uh, pay-to-play? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at the folks that are participating in the exchange, they tend to be much larger companies that are doing more high level biz dev type partnerships and less so of the uh, organic of rank, rankings yeah. driven. Yeah, exactly. Right. It has, has less to do with that. So, so yeah, so we're, we tend to source just as last time, the majority of our deals do word of mouth, right? We're even though uh, certainly there's no lack of competitors and Salesforce has some pretty good offerings in the space. We're always going to do better at serving the customers that have, you know, we'll call it special needs. They need the app to function just so and work with the customizations they've made in Salesforce. And that's what we do very, very well. It's how we've architected our app. But for the long tail that we used to pick up more easily, um, they've got so many options now. The, the bottom of the market, I think it's fair to say, has become relatively commoditized. Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get the site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e-commerce plugin as well and 24-7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 in free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. But you got to do it now. Again, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. So what is your turnout, would you say, annually? Um, Let me see. The annual churn on our side is going to be around, looks like it's about 15 to 20%. That's logo or revenue? Uh, that's on revenue. Okay, revenue churn. Got it. And I imagine your logo probably matches that pretty closely. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because we, and, this, and we're different from a lot of B2B SaaS companies in that way. I think the average when... Uh, David Scott and team came out with their report, right, where they benchmarked against 400 SaaS companies. The average number of customers in that study was several hundred, and and we've got 5,000 uh, logos. So it's safe to say, while we have some really big customers, we also have a very long tail of you know, freelancers and SMB customers out there using the app, which we love. So it's great stability to have that foundation, but we're also susceptible to a bit higher churn, I think, than the average. What are you paying right now to acquire these guys, these new customers? So our cost of acquisition has remained relatively stable. What we try to do is get it in a range about 100, 150 bucks yep. a user uh, on the acquisition side. And that way, because we don't have a, a big private equity or venture capital war chest to rely on just for operational cash, we want the payback to really be you know, within the first year. How does that happen though? If you spend 150 on them and they're only paying eight bucks a month, that'll take you like 19 months to get payback. Is one of those numbers different? Yeah, I mean that's that's on an average, and so that's counting in 
our all of our historical customers, like when we first launched the app six years ago, got it. Those customers were paying sixty bucks a user a year, right? Got Whereas it. now, if you're signing up from scratch, you're going to be a couple hundred bucks. I see. I see. So your your ARPU average across your base is eight bucks a month. What you're saying are people new that are signing up that you're spending one fifty to acquire. They're paying more per month. So your payback is around a year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Payback to new customers. I see. And are you testing like conference spend or like where are you spending up? You know your paid dollars. Yeah, it's a good question. Historically, we've done a ton, a ton of conferences. So lots of traveling, lots of pressing the flesh, meeting folks on the conference floor, which has been great. I think toward the end of last year, we started to do less of that. There seemed to be diminishing returns. I think I noticed conference attendance seemed to be going down. Uh, So I don't know if that was just as symptomatic of the latter half of the year, or if we had just reached a tipping point where people said, hey, I've been to enough of the conferences. I get it. I've heard all that I want to hear. And so I'm going to sit this one out. So while we're still doing conferences, it's safe to say we're doing a lot more uh, other types of outreach. We're doing more uh, paid spend than we have in the past. And we're doing more on the content side, right, to try to create good uh, SEO results and attract people into the top of the funnel. Uh, in terms of a conference spend, so let's say a conference is right in your target market. It's a perfect fit. There's a thousand attendees. Give me, I mean, what are you paying on average for that kind of placement? For like a thousand attendees? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For that, I would like to be in like a 10 K range. Yeah. If it's a really big conference where you're getting you know, 50,000 folks. So you know, happier hunting ground, as long as it's still relatively targeted, then you can ramp up the spend from there. But but I do hesitate now, and I, you know, I may be unique among uh, the folks out there as, as founders, but I, I've hesitated to pull the trigger on events as fast as I used to, uh, where I felt like before it was just an awareness game. Let's get out in front of everybody. Now I feel like uh, really looking at the numbers for the conference, because I think there's lots of conferences that just popped up because it's a good market. Uh, host a conference, get a lot of people to come together and talk about sales. But really starting to vet the quality of those conferences, who specifically is going to be there, what results got driven to what sponsors in the past. And digging into that, you get a better sense of if it's going to be for real or not. Yep. That makes a lot of sense, Brandon. You've done a lot since we last spoke. Acquisitions, all kinds of other stuff. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Man, that's a great question. Uh, I know last time I had mentioned really anything written by Richard Feynman. He's a physicist from way back, worked on the Manhattan Project. Uh, Lately, I've been supplementing that, I think, with even more World War II books. As you know, I live here in Knoxville, and just up the road from us is Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which is known as the secret city. So for any listeners that are interested in that sort of thing, pick up a book about Oak Ridge, and you'll find it fascinating. During its heyday, they were building houses here like one every 30 seconds in order to do the enrichment of uranium during World War II. Wow. So this, this area used like 15% of the electricity in all of the United States during its peak time, during the later stages of, of the World War. So fascinating history for those history buffs out there. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, I, I can't help but not follow Elon Musk. I think he's fascinating. I think the most recent article that I read about him, I think was in Rolling Stone. And... Uh, really amazing. I think the thing that jumped out at me is he said, Hey, we need to start testing this. And I think it was part of a test for a hyperloop. And so we need a little segment in order to test underground. And I think we could put it here next to our building. And before the end of the workday, they had started digging. Yeah. And I think it's that sort of urgency that the team knows, like when he says we're going to do something, it means we're doing it now. We're not doing it after 
you know, three months of meetings or feasibility studies about how big the hole should be. Just like start digging and ask questions later. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're trying to get our software releases out on time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, yeah. with, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Oh man, we're, we're, we're wearing out uh, Slack, which is funny because going back to the beginning, I thought, look, we have Google Hangouts. We're set. And then once the team got on Slack and now like all corporate communications are on there. And now anytime we're vetting new tools, if it connects with Slack, then that's a big plus one for our team. Number four, Brandon, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Uh, right now I'm doing pretty well. And I think because it's toward the end of the year and there's a lot of darkness. So, uh, I'm doing a good job. I'm getting to bed early and like waking how, how up. How many hours? Late, so. Uh, probably about seven. That's good. That's good. And what's yeah, your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married, two kiddos. They're in early grade school. That's they great. Keep me, they keep me hustling. And how old are you, Brandon? I'm 38. All right, take no? us home. That's 39. 39. 39 as of last week. <laughs> you know how there's that time period? You get like a two-week yep. grace period where you don't know your own age? Yep. Yeah, so I just turned 39. Or maybe I can't remember because I'm older. Congratulations. Yeah, you get a free pass. You're still in that window. <laughs> last question. Take us back 19 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, probably how, how to code more. So, so this is cool. So a few weeks ago, about a month ago, we broke the Guinness world record for a number of students learning how to code in Knoxville. We uh -huh. had over 8,500 students participate in it and they simultaneously did a coding lesson across all the schools. And, uh, and yeah, seeing them light up having their first coding experience. I was like, I wish I had learned more, taught myself more of that back then. I mean, I can, I can code a little bit, build a website, et cetera, but the kids now, including mine who are six and seven, already so far ahead of where I am now and where I was then. Uh, I wish I did more of that. There you guys have it from Brandon Bruce. More coding earlier on. He's sitting on a rocket ship with Cirrus uh, just like 12 months ago doing 640 grand a month in revenue. Now up to about one, you know, one-ish, one-one almost, maybe one-two pushing it a bit. But one-two in MRR, really healthy economics, less than 2% gross uh, logo and revenue churn. So lifetime value of these customers are well over 50 months paying eight bucks a pop on average. So $400 LTV payback now on new customers are spending 150 bucks to bring them in, getting paid back in under 12 months growing their product offering with the recent acquisition of Attach and also now offering in many other places besides just the Salesforce app exchange as they grow with their team of 58 across Knoxville and Irvine, helping you get more efficient at sales, uh, lead generation and closing those deals. Brandon, thank you for taking us to the top.